Hey everyone, you're listening to Spark, where we amplify the voices of the Middle East startup, tech, and innovation ecosystem. I'm your host, Shireen, and along with our guests, we share with you expert insights on the latest and most relevant news. Our goal is to help you easily digest trending topics and be better equipped to know what to make of it all. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. So we're going to continue with our seven-part series in collaboration with 500 Startups. Now, in today's episode, we'll be talking all about digitizing and collecting retail data. And we'll be speaking with Maryam Awad, who's the CEO and co-founder of Postpay, formerly Bakala, who's running an organization that does just this. Now, Maryam has led the creation of long-term strategies. She's executed and crafted marketing and sales agendas, grown products, and built winning teams. We've managed to grab her on today's episode to discuss how to appeal to your target audience, how to collect demographic data, organize a sales process to find retailers, and the process of expanding from emerging markets to developed markets. Now, on the topic of catering for data, we're actually running a project with the London School of Economics group of master's students. You see, I'm an alum of the LSE and I love giving back to the community. So I've collaborated in order to sponsor a research project for a group of students. actually be running a strategy on Spark and the podcast that you're listening to. And in fact, I'd love to hear from you so that we can build content that's relevant for you. You can find a link to a questionnaire over in the show notes of whatever podcast listening platform you're listening to at the moment and fill out a short questionnaire that I promise won't take you longer than about 10 minutes. And this will really help us shape the next series of episodes coming up on the show. Now, everyone, thanks for tuning in. And without further ado, let's jump to today's episode. So you've pivoted from Bakala to, what was the name that you just mentioned? Potpay. Potpay. The company name is Bakala because we've registered the company, but the product name will be launched as Potpay. Why did you change it from an Arabic word as a name to an English word? Because we've also changed our targeting. So we were focused, very focused on Middle East and North Africa mm-hmm. in terms of targeting. And now we're focused more on more advanced markets like Europe and the US and North America. That's why we had to change it to, to something that's not purely Arabic. Why did you think that an Arab name would work against you when approaching these markets? Because we're talking to consumers that don't really understand the language. It might just not relate to them at all versus Pate, that's just an easy to remember word versus Bakala for them. And they had difficulty pronouncing the name as well. Yeah, they, they probably thought, what, what is that foreign word? Grocery store or retailer out here in the Middle East. Maryam, you mentioned appeal to the consumers. Uh, I want to clarify, is your business model B2B to C or do you also have a direct-to-consumer angle to it? So yeah, we're B2B to C. We work with uh, consumers and we also work with two different types of businesses, uh, retailers and uh, brands, FMCGs, consumer goods companies. So basically those are our uh, our main uh, audiences. Awesome. Would you mind letting the listeners know uh, a little bit about Bakala or Potpay, the technology that it is that you have and how your customers use your technology. Just a bit of background on how it started and why we were actually solving this problem. So I've worked for the past 10 years in the consumer goods market industry. I've worked with Procter & Gamble and with Nestle, with L'Oreal and with Mondelez across the MENA region. And one thing that came across in every role that I had was the fact that it was very difficult for us to identify consumers in store. So 
So let's say you go and you buy something from a store offline. Our ability to target you and our ability to identify your profile is very difficult because there's no tracking offline of consumers. The only tracking that happens is through actually collecting surveys mm. through Ipsos. But what kind of information are you looking to gather when it comes to in-store retail purchases? So for example, we uh, it's very important for us to be able to identify our target audience by understanding their gender, their marital status, their age, their interests. So it's more demographic type of information and profiling. So in a store that is completely owned and operated by one brand, do they find it easier to do this profiling or do you think that they face the same problem as a multi-brand department store would? So actually we've done a surveying with different types of businesses. The thing is one brand type of stores still face difficulties identifying their customers. The way they are doing it today is loyalty programs. That's the way they're trying to identify their customers and through online channels. But loyalty program participation is as low as 2 to 3%. So it doesn't really give us as much information as we need. So then how do you guys do it? How do you tackle the problem? For the past year and a half, we've been trying different approaches to be able to collect this data. And today we've landed on, let's say, the most optimal way of doing that seamlessly. Instead of consumers going to the store, buying and getting a paper receipt, what we do is actually we allow them to get digital receipts directly into their phones. And the way we do that is two different ways. One is the consumer can give their mobile number and we can actually send their receipts directly to their phone. Or they pay through their card and we've pre-integrated with their banks. So we're able to send them their receipts directly to their banking app. So that allows us to actually understand and profile consumers by having their mobile number or by having their bank card integrated into our system. So that's the way we actually do it. So I can classify you as a fintech company. With the integration with banks, there's a lot of opportunities for us to expand into different verticals. Mm. I've come across a company that does something very similar to you guys called Receipt, except it's more obvious than their name. Their name is Receipt and they want to digitize the receipt issuing process and, you know, gather all the marketing insights that could benefit out of it. Now, question for you, it must be a feat going and doing business development speaking to retailers and merchants, having them see the value of having your tool on board. How do you go about doing your sales and business development? There's a process that we follow with our retailers to be able to want to identify the right retailers for our business. So that's one. We have criteria that retailers have to fit before we actually approach them. Second is we've created a compelling value proposition after interviewing and uh, talking to more than 250 retailers across the region to try to understand exactly what compels them to actually participate in such a service. And then three is introducing them to being able to offer them a free peer where they can actually see and test the value of the service that we're offering through giving them access to the data that allows them to profile their consumers and being able to hands-on consult them on how could they benefit from this data to increase their sales, to increase their profit, their revenues. So we have an account management process, onboarding the client, from choosing the client to onboarding them, to actually selling the value proposition to them. And then eventually to showing them after the free period, what's the value that HotPay has offered them in terms of increasing their sales or increasing their profit. Mm. Do you ever have any merchants coming to you with requests to purchase data by 
their competitors? Yeah, we actually get that uh, request a lot. The same way we can't sell their data to anyone else yeah. and they wouldn't allow it. There are restrictions. What we tell them is that we anonymize the data usually and we aggregate it. So they have access to the market data as a whole. So they can have access to that. And that's one of the perks that we offer our customers. Interesting. Now, you earlier in the call mentioned you're expanding beyond Mina. So I'm curious, uh, what went into the thinking behind that strategy? Had you exhausted Mina and did it as a part of a growth strategy? Or is it somewhat of a pivot because of market demand dynamics here in the region? Yeah, it's actually we've had to pivot because the product market fit wasn't as good in the region because mainly most markets, except for the Gulf region and Saudi, it's mainly what we call traditional trade markets, which are markets that are governed by small stores. So if we look at Egypt, Algeria, Tunis, uh, Lebanon, most retailers are independent small retailers. And that doesn't really fit our business model, the new business model that we've pivoted into. We focus more on big retailers that have a volume, a big contribution of volume out of the total market. And that actually would fit a market like UAE or a market like um, Saudi, for example. But we've decided that not to go into UAE and Saudi to actually go into a more developed market because of the readiness of the infrastructure as well, of the stores and the readiness of banks to integrate with us as well. And to accept digital receipts. You know, every time I go and pay here, I'm still baffled. Even though I'm using, you know, my, my Apple Watch or my Apple phone, I'm clearly a digital person. Still, the merchant receives a little digital receipt printout and asks me, here you go, ma'am, do you want this? And I'm like, no, I clearly don't want that piece of paper. I just don't understand why, even though you may say that the UAE is very advanced when it comes to digital retail payment readiness, I think that that's lagging still. So you were talking about why you are not coming into the UAE. There are two reasons why we're not coming to the UAE. Uh, One of them is mainly because we believe that we can get a lot more value out of launching in a more developed country where infrastructure is again more ready. UAE is ready in a lot of ways. Eventually, it is a market that we are seeking expansion into it. Currently, we're focusing on Lebanon in terms of tests and eventually in terms of first expansion is Canada because we also got the opportunity through connecting with different retailers and through connecting with different investors in Canada. Uh, we got the opportunity to actually get a partnership with a bank that we still in negotiation with. How are you able to communicate with a time zone as far as Canada and, you know, a country as far as Canada from all the way out here in the Middle East? Because Lebanon has been going through a very difficult patch and for the past two years, personally, I've decided to apply for an immigration to Canada. While doing that in the past two years, I was approaching Canadian investors. I was approaching Canadian mentors through the network of 500 startups, through the network of Flat6 Labs and different networks that have built across the region that has international access. The good thing about 500 and Flat6 Labs, those are investors that have these access that they can offer to us. So we were lucky, actually. Oh, very nice. Well, good for you for leveraging your network for, you know, personal and professional reasons. I hope it works out for you sooner rather than later. Thank you. Any idea where in Canada you might move to? Most probably Toronto. All right. It's where most VCs and it's the tech hub of Canada, actually. So Waterloo, that is not too far away from Toronto, has quite a tech scene 
engineering as well. And I think that the University of Waterloo has a very strong, I think that computer engineering program that pumps out, you know, companies that go on to make Shopify and Blackberry. So that's not too far away from Canada. Sorry, from Toronto. I'll look into that. Thank you for mentioning it. For sure. With that, I'd like to say thank you very much. It was wonderful to have learned about Bakala. And I look forward to the release of the episode. And I hope that the listeners have gained some insights as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shane. It was nice meeting you. You too. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to future episodes on your podcast listening platform of choice. And whilst you're there, leave a review and rate our show so that other aspiring innovators can find it. To find a summary of our discussion today and links to our guests, access our show notes by visiting our website, sparkwithshereen.com. If you don't want to miss out on future announcements, subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at sparkwithshereen. Before you go, I'd like to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, including guest or topic recommendations, drop us a message through our website or social platforms. If you didn't have a pen or paper handy to write all this down, don't worry. We've gone ahead and added all these links in the episode description. All you have to do is scroll down and click when you have a moment. As always, thank you for listening and see you next time.